Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Match Ball. Hello, welcome to the show. The positives from tonight are that you can get 10% off your legal fees with Levi Solicitors, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Don't really want to do this, do we? <laughs> that was more like it, wasn't it? Another a wasted evening with Leeds United. It's been a while. This feels so familiar. It's just a shame I, I wasn't in Ellen Road to see that disappointment. But, um, ah, well. Yeah, yeah. We asked. I think I said we shouldn't be in this competition in the first place. We're a Premier League team. It's the Football League Cup. It's very difficult to feel anything about that tonight. There was a, a little flicker of emotion, um, maybe. Is that what you want to call it, when the penalties happened? Because you naturally get nervous because it's a bit exciting. But, I mean, the first 93 minutes before that were what you might term shit. They should have just done the penalties and given everyone their evening back. Just said, look, just turn everyone turn up at 10 o'clock or whatever. You're going to watch a shootout. And then that can be it because there was nothing in the game that was worth talking about from our point of view. Hull deserved to win, let's be perfectly honest. You are disregarding uh, Ian Pervader's hips. They're lovely. He did lots of good swaying. And every time, lie, every time we got the, the she ball... She cares Colombian, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Please continue about his hips. I've said all I need to say about his hips. You saw them. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Shakira? Um, I've not got much to say about it, really. Well, I tried the positives. Never mind. Yeah. It was not entirely unpredictable, was it, given the, the team? And when I saw Casey trying to play the Calvin Phillips role, that was a real concern for me. Because I wasn't. I presumed we were going to be playing Cresswell and Casey at central defence, and then, I don't know, somewhat Shackleton maybe in midfield with Bogus and Douglas playing right back or something. But yeah, that, that whole thing never really worked, did it? And the, the middle of the pitch didn't work in general. I thought Bogus didn't do a great deal. Roberts didn't seem to have a set position. He was just all over the place. Rodrigo had a, f- a few all right bits, but maybe that's me trying to search for a positive because we've paid 30 million quid for him. It had strong Pontins League vibes. If people remember that the Reserve League used to be the Pontins League and before... We had under-23s and things. It was very much like this. We'd have a bunch of kids and then you'd have some players from the first team who'd been told they were playing maybe like an hour before and had to like go home and get the boots. 
And then you had the new signings. So they would fit in just to kind of give them a run out and get them used to teammates who they'll never play with again because they'll be in the first team. And it ends up being disjointed in an empty stadium. And generally you don't sit through watching it though. You kind of wake up the next morning and you see the result in the paper and it says Leeds reserves one, Hull reserves one. And the report might say, uh, new signing Rodrigo struggled to get into the game. Uh, but there were some flashes of inspiration from young winger Ian Pervader in an otherwise lacklustre performance. And you look at that and you go, oh, well, look forward to the Fulham game on Saturday. So that was the the real flavour of the whole thing was, yeah, empty stadium, weird team, mixture of kids, first team players, and uh, a bemused Rodrigo. And yeah, we move on. I think the lack of crowd noise really added to that vibe as well, because we, we've got used to, the game's having the kind of canned crowd there, haven't we? Whereas this was, you could just hear, I'm guessing it was the whole bench just shouting quite Sunday league things like, press him, heads on, stand it, stand it, things like that, that just, I don't know. You got the occasional bit of um, Bielsa breaking through going, Barry, Barry, which I enjoyed. That aside, yeah, not not much to, to pick out of that one. That was the other thing I will pick out on the sound effects was Alioski breaking from our half, wanting the ball to be passed to him. And as he ran up the pitch, he was screaming. That was good. There were really no redeeming features from that. We started badly and the middle bit was quite bad. And the end was quite bad until the very end where we fluked the goal. And that's it, isn't it? That's it. That's all there is to say about this game. Should we finish now? <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about Kiko Kassir. Because he had an interesting sort of evening. Two good saves. Let's not... Pretend they didn't happen in the second half. Two quite good saves, uh, but he did pass the ball straight to them four minutes in and then they scored from it, which was less good and undeniably his fault. Even though the shot itself was deflected and there was not a great deal he could do about it, he could have not given them the ball in the first place. I think that would have been a better idea. And he was wearing the captain's armband and he shouldn't have been because he's done absolutely nothing to earn it. Name one thing that Kiko Kassir has done at this club that makes you think, yes captain there aren't any they should have given it to Barry Douglas and they should have put Kiko Kassir in the bin as soon as they could but they haven't he's there he's wearing the captain's armband and it's a really strange thing giving him the captaincy because it comes with certain responsibilities like you know post-match interviews and going out into the community and uh, and you know meeting people and bringing people together who want to be Leeds fans it's gonna... I don't think I don't think one League Cup game you have to do that stuff I don't know. I think it's um, it's an honour he doesn't deserve. And is it, and is he going to do any of that stuff? Is he doing the post match interviews tonight? Is the the senior player who was wearing the armband who comes out to explain to everybody why Leeds didn't beat Hull in the Carabao Cup? And of course he isn't, because even if he is wearing the captain's armband, every question is going to be about his racism charge from last season. So he can't do the interviews. So why put him in the position where he is the player who should be doing the post match interviews? We have other goalkeepers and I'd like to see them play. Well, another thing I noticed with Kiko, which I'd, it was an element of him that I'd kind of forgotten, is the amount of aggro he gets himself into on corners. Now, if you watch, well, any keeper other than Kiko, more or less, there are people stood around them and they just largely ignore them or try and get out of the way. Kiko has this thing where he seems to want to like, wrestle with someone as the ball's coming into the box, forgetting that if he's trying to shove someone, he can't actually move anywhere other than from the side of the person he's... he's He's trying to leave her out of the way. 
And I was just watching it. I was thinking, oh, do we? Do you have to do this? What? You surely don't train like this. Like the because keepers do do training where there's people around them and they're trying to get away from them. But I don't know. It just seems it seems so unconventional watching him do it that it just frustrated me. And we did largely get away with it. I think there was one that he flapped at right at the start of the second half, actually, which we he knocked it to one of their players who had an air shot, so it, it didn't come to anything. But there were several concerning moments in there, as well as, as I say, two good saves, but nah. Spider Boy does the same training and looks immeasurably better, so I can only conclude it's Casillas' problem. Quite apart from the, what you might term, difficult social issues around Kiko Casilla. You're just left with the conclusion that he's just not a very good goalkeeper, but he can take a penalty, it turns out. It didn't say much for the players who were coming after him, I didn't think, when when your keeper's not taking your last penalty. Who who went after him? It was Gotts. And, no, it was Gotts was before, wasn't it? It was Shackleton went afterwards. And I did just think, hmm, Shackleton's obviously not very confident, is he, if he's letting Kiko have one in before him? And then you saw why. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, the worst penalty from Shackleton, was it? But it was it was pretty tame. Kiko on the pens, actually. He seemed to get his hand to quite a few and not quite keep him out, which was a, a little bit frustrating. But equally, it's a game that I'd have been happy to win it tonight, but then I would have also have been thinking, oh, do we really need to go to West Ham next week? Like Maybe it's better that we just have some more time on the training ground given we've not actually been able to have any proper pre-season. I agree. I think next Wednesday would be better spent doing murder ball than trekking off to London and making Marcelo Bielsa go all the way down there and then come back again. I think that's a blessing in disguise. Have you heard Huddersfield have started doing murder ball? Carlos Corbin's taken it there and their player, the Tafolo, Fafolo player, him, said that, yeah, they've started doing this thing called murder ball and he said it is literally what it sounds like. That's not true, I don't think, is it? Literally speaking. Don't know, we'll see what team they put out in the next game if they've only got three players left. It's like when Jamie Redknapp said someone was literally on fire. It's a bloodbath at the canal side, an absolute bloodbath today at training. Huddersfield will be putting out the junior team at the weekend if they make it through this week's training alive. Christ. We can't send Robbie Gotts there. Robbie Gotts, in fact, let's talk about him. He's just always on the bench, isn't he? He basically spends his entire life on the bench. And even when they've been like, oh, there's going to be 11 changes tonight, Robbie, he'll be thinking, oh, well. Surely I'm going to be in now. I mean, even if if I have to play that tricky holding midfield role, surely I'm a, a better bet in there than I mean, who else could play there? Like Casey, that big that big lumbering centre back, that young lad who's played about ten minutes. I'm definitely going to get in there, and I've well, I normally get on the bench ahead of um, what you course call the Polish lad. You know, he's he's never gonna he's never gonna start, is he? And then it comes to the game, sees the team sheet on the wall, and it's just like, oh, this again, is it? Will I even get on? Poor lad. Let him, let's let him go. He got on ahead of Calvin, though, didn't he? That was the one surprising thing, that with uh, Phillips and Bamford and Harrison on the bench, the substitutes were we brought on Stroke, who some nice... Uh, I like Stroke even more every time I see him play. And then um, and then Gotts came on. So he's, he's not the man to start a match, but when you're 1-0 down, desperate to qualify for the next round of the Carabao... Bielsa just must have looked at his bench and thought, well, which one of these lads looks like a hero? Robbie, now or never, son. Now or never. Probably quite telling that we didn't particularly try and win that game because we had players on the bench who could have changed it and we sort of just went, nah, let's just go out. It's fine. Because you do see it when, when teams will do this in Cups. They'll they'll rest a lot of first-teamers, but then they'll have the, 
the good players on the bench in reserve so they can turn it if if it's going badly. And this was going badly, but we just let it continue to go badly because maybe losing tonight is better than having to go to West Ham next Wednesday. Bielsa had that last year. He was angry about us going out of the League Cup because he lost the matches that he could use, like he did this one where he, you know, he plays a slightly mad lineup. But I think this year is a bit different with the whole COVID nineteen situation. So many things are different. The sheer hassle involved in going to London to the London Stadium um, and getting through all the coronavirus protocols makes it. It's not like you can just drive a bus down there and turn up anymore. There's a lot more involved logistically. And I would also say, like, if things do get worse in pandemic terms and people are, you know, trying to see out the, the season and get all the games played, the League Cup's the first competition you put a stop to. So there's kind of question marks in the back of my mind as to whether this competition gets all the way to the final or not. In which case, you know, what's the fucking point? Keep them at Thorpe Arch, play... We didn't play many pre-season friendlies that we know of. There was Stoke and PDF. That was it, wasn't it? So the need for more, if Bielsa can cope without pre-season friendlies, he can cope without in-season friendlies and still get Rodrigo and Cock and the young players up to the level he needs. My enthusiasm for this competition was probably summed up by my immediate thought after the equaliser was, it is straight to penalties, isn't it? We don't have to watch extra time because I was just thinking, oh no, just another half hour of whole keeping the ball in the corner, which is what seemed to happen. I was I was making some notes through the game, admittedly, slightly half-heartedly. But I think from like 60 minutes on, I basically didn't write anything down because it was just whole keeping possession in our half and the ball going out of play, them taking ages over a throw-in, us being completely unable to regain possession or do anything when it when we did get possession. So uh, it just needed to end, did that game. Yeah, to return to a phrase you used there, Moscow, if that was us being desperate to get into the next round of the Carabao Cup, I would hate to see us not really trying. I'm not convinced that there was a great desire on the part of Leeds United to get through into the next round of this competition for all the reasons that you state. Best bit for me was with around 20 minutes left when it became time to do my daughter's book before bed so I stopped watching the game and actually missed the equaliser but I enjoyed that quite a lot we're reading um, Harry Potter the last one it's the Deathly Hallows so it's all sort of getting to a climax now it's all getting a little bit excited it's got quite dark Harry and Ron and Hermione have just gone to 12 Grimald Place um, starting out on their quest to find the Horcruxes so uh, good luck to the three of them Is there a really boring Quidditch match in the midst of all this? That goes to, that's what they play, isn't it, Quidditch? I mean, I'm not reading that nonsense. The other thing I was going to mention on the back of, I mean, I'm just ignoring your JK Rowling stuff. I've done a weak joke and I'm going to move on. Um, The lack of crowd tonight, Michael kind of touched on it and it really did hit home in that game. I probably would have cared if I'd been in the stadium having paid, you know, if I'd maybe paid £10 for the privilege or something like that and it it felt like it, it mattered. But where we borrowed the comment from um, a scouser in the main podcast where they said that you didn't particularly feel the lack of fans at Anfield when you were watching that game on TV because Leeds kind of made it such an exciting match that you were just drawn into the fact that it was a really good game of football and didn't particularly notice the fact that there wasn't uh, anybody there. And in a way, it was strange because you would have loved to have been at Anfield to see such a good game of football, but it was such a good game of football to watch. 
sort of you didn't miss it because you appreciated what a good game it was. Watching that thing going on in front of nobody with silence, it just didn't work at all in any respect. Well, have we got anything to say about any of that shit? Or should we just turn it in and go to bed? I was a bit disappointed with the senior players that did play, I have to say. In a game like that, I can. there's not much point having a go at Davis playing out of position. I mean, we've not even touched on the fact that that very good Davis, five foot eight left back, was playing centre back because that seems completely normal. But him, Casey, Creswell, Bogus, none of them were very good, particularly. But you know, it's it's new to them, and I kind of expected it. And they're playing in a brand new team set up with different positions and stuff. So that's that's acceptable. But I thought Douglas and Alioski were both pretty poor. Kiko, we've kind of covered already, and. I, I wasn't entirely sure what Tyler Roberts was meant to be doing either for a lot of the game. He seemed, I don't know if it's because the ball wasn't up his end of the pitch very much, but he seemed to just keep appearing in his own half, I think, because he just wanted to touch. But I, I didn't think any of them really made any sort of a push for the first team based on this. Do you know what it is? I think Bielsa's system is so reliant on optimal output from everybody and everybody being right on top of their game that when you've got some kids in that are naturally going to make it a little bit subpar, the whole thing kind of just doesn't work, does it? It sort of falls apart a wee bit because you can't get the pretty patterns and the overlaps going. And all Hull had to do was press us quite high up the pitch with some young defenders and it kind of just didn't work, any of it. I think I've touched on match balls in this kind of situation before when I've spoken to Emma Bentley in particular off of Leeds United women's team about they would struggle in games against amateur sides in the West Yorkshire Cup that they should, you know, they'd end up being them 14 nil or something daft because they would be up against basically kids, but it would be a grind for the first hour. And it's an element of sort of the match will drop to the lowest common de- denominator of the worst players on the pitch. And because it, it becomes less predictable in a way, your mind can't compute what's about to happen next because you're up against players who don't make the right decisions or the decisions that you're expecting to happen. And there was... Elements of that in in Leeds and the way Leeds played where passes would be, they're only a foot out. Like, we're talking Pervader is passing to Roberts and he's missing him by, you know, 18 inches or something. So it's not the worst pass in the world, but it's just that little element of, oh, you didn't do what I thought you would do because you're not the player I would normally play with and this isn't the standard we normally play at. And you're mashing things together and, and hoping it kind of works. And it's a risk putting a team out, out like that in that um, in a knockout match. For me, the performance was probably summed up when about the 89th, 90th minute, Barry Douglas was stood with the ball for ages at his feet, asking someone to take it off him. And in the end, he just put it out for throwing about two metres from where he was stood. It looked like he just kicked it straight out of play. I, I didn't even, I couldn't even work out who it was meant to be going to. He just had that summed up, that feeling of, Christ's sake, this isn't this isn't what we do. The movement wasn't there. It didn't feel like... I suppose it was a game where it didn't feel like people were taking responsibility. Normally we've got people like Phillips and Pablo and Click who, are, who pull into spaces and demand the ball. I felt like Casey and Bogus were a little bit scared to do that at points and Strout made a bit of a difference when he came on in terms of willing, being willing to take it in deep positions. But just overall, there was none of the zip there at all. Casey didn't know what he was doing in that position. No, he didn't. I don't know if it was a, an experiment or what, but the fact it ended at half-time says how it had gone. I felt sorry for him, I have to say. 
Because that's not his position, is it? Like I don't I've not heard of him playing there particularly. <sighs> oh well. <laughs> but yeah. Don't mind. I thought Cresswell got better as the game went on, actually, because I thought to begin with he looked a bit a bit scared, but I thought by the end he was he was doing all right. These are very young boys. They're only babies. Well, you know what? Forget it. Back to it yeah. on Saturday when it matters. I mean, this doesn't matter, does it? With all that filthy money, TV money up for grabs. That's all, all that counts this season, isn't it? We've got some multi-million pound footballers to chuck a load of money at, so let's go buy some and never have to think about whole Tigers again. It was a route into Europe, though. Could have been in Europe. I mean, not obviously from winning this, but we could have been in Europe soon. Ah, well. Hull can go into Europe. Well, it practically is, isn't it? We've said this before. Said it before. Certainly um, not part of Yorkshire anyway. Right, well, well, we'll get back together at the weekend. Hopefully we've got happier things to report on. Cheers for listening to this one. We'll see you in a bit. The Match Ball. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.